Thank you to those people who uh, rang me this week and texted me to check how I was doing. I, I had a bit of a flu come Wednesday. I was not feeling well at all. And uh, I took Wednesday off work and rested and uh, slept in on Thursday and Friday. Still went to work, but just slept in and feeling much better today. So thank you for those who, who called and, and checked up on me. That means a lot. I appreciate that. And this morning, we are going to continue on with the series that we started last week, Cross My Heart. Everyone say, Cross My Heart. If you've got your Bibles, why don't you grab them? Read from the book of Matthew this morning. Matthew chapter 15. Matthew chapter 15, we're going to read verses 18 and 19. Everyone say amen when you're there. Matthew chapter 15, verses 18 and 19. But those things which proceed out of the mouth come forth from the heart, and they defile the man. For out of the heart proceeds evil thoughts, murders, adulteries, fornications, theft, thefts, false witness, blasphemies. Amen. We're going to continue on this morning with our series, Cross My Heart. And in the English language, it's really quite interesting. We have... Many what we call um, heart sayings, for lack of a better word. Um, and a few of them really give away how sick the heart can get. Amen. Uh, for example, maybe you've heard some of these phrases, a bleeding heart, a broken heart. Who's ever had a broken heart? Right? Pour your heart out. Cry your heart out. Eat your heart out. Anyone ever said that before? Eat your heart out. Rip your heart out, a hard heart, a heart of stone, sick at heart. Wear your heart on your sleeve, which is really another way of saying what is in the heart will eventually make itself known. And, and this is where this Bible verse that we just read kind of ties into this. Let me read it for you again in Matthew chapter 15, verses 18. But those things which proceed out of the mouth. What comes out of the mouth come forth from where? The heart. They come from inside. What comes out of your mouth comes from the heart. And they defile the man. For out of the heart proceeds evil thoughts, murders, adulteries, fornications, thefts, false witness, blasphemies. And, and we spoke a little bit about this last week, but we, we spoke about how we have learned as children growing up, we've learned how to guard our behavior. Amen? But we've never learned how to monitor our hearts. And on that, based on that scripture, it is our hearts that actually get us into trouble, not our mouths. The mouth is just a mouthpiece. It just speaks what is in the heart. And, and you, know, you see this in your own children, right? When, when they do something bad, you discipline them and they stop doing that which is bad. 
But we haven't checked their heart. They can still have a bad attitude. Amen. When a child does something bad, like talking in church, he gets a from daddy, and he knows I don't need to do that anymore. But I haven't checked his attitude, have I? He might be thinking, how dare daddy tell me what to do? Doesn't he know who I am? I should be allowed to do this. But he stops making noise. But we haven't checked his heart. And this is what we do is we, we monitor our behavior, but we don't monitor our heart. And Proverbs tells us in Proverbs chapter 4 and verse 23, it says, Keep thy heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. Or if I read it in the NLT, it says, Above all else, guard your heart, for it affects everything that you do. Amen. And we are often tempted to treat the symptoms that stem from an unhealthy heart. And we ignore the deeper issues. And in, as it is with the case of the physical heart, when we just treat the symptoms, eventually the deeper issue becomes the main problem. Amen. And so for years and years and years, you can, you can cover up the signs of a heart that is sick both physically and spiritually, but eventually it will catch up with you. Eventually, your root problem is going to become your main problem. Amen. It will become the real problem. And just as a heart attack has the potential to destroy your physical body, a spiritual heart disease has the potential to destroy you and your most valuable relationships. Amen. And here's why. Things that stay in darkness. If you don't get anything else that I tell you from this session, get this one. Things that stay in darkness grow exponentially over time. And they will finally break through the filter that we have put in place. I'm going to say that again. The things that stay in darkness grow exponentially over time. And they finally break through the filter that we have put in place. And when they do, they cause us to act in ways that others don't understand. And they cause us to develop habits that even we don't understand. Amen. And, and we can't break them. They become so difficult to break because they get ingrained. And we've talked a little bit about how these heart attackers work last week. But today, I want to start diving into each week. We're going to dive into a specific factor that is going to attack our spiritual heart if we are not careful. Amen? Each one of these factors, they cause an imbalance that make us sick. And each one of this, these factors create this imbalance through what we call a debt Debtor relationship. Amen. Think about it. Think about when someone owes you money that they haven't paid. And you know they owe you money. And they know that they owe you money. And you run into each other on the street. It's a bit awkward, isn't it? It's like, mm, hey, how you doing? You know, you want to you wanna say, hey, you know that $100 you said you were going to pay me back? Is it coming soon? And the other person's like, oh, I don't have the money. I can't bring it up. It, it creates what we call in English an elephant in the room, 
right? Something really, really obvious that nobody wants to talk about, right? Because there is a debt-debtor relationship that has been established there. There is an, an awkwardness that develops. And the first one of these factors that I want to talk to you about this morning is guilt. Everyone say guilt. I'm going to call it code blue, guilt. And the first thing we should say is that guilt should not be a part of the New Testament church. Amen. John 3 verse 17 says, For God sent not His Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through Him might be saved. Amen. Jesus did not leverage guilt to manipulate people into following Him. Here's why. Because only guilty people use guilt to control others. This is quite... This is quite intense. You know, we spoke about this last week when we began, you know, the series we did previously, Contagious Christianity. It was about focusing outward and getting our attention on the world and, and being a witness and learning how to evangelize and learning where our strengths and our weaknesses are. But this next month, we're looking inside. And we don't like looking inside. We don't like the attention on our heart. We prefer that we talk about other things outside of our heart. Amen. We don't like it when that spotlight shines in and we begin to see things in our heart. So this is going to get uncomfy. Turn to the person next to you and say, that's okay. Praise the Lord. Jesus didn't leverage guilt to manipulate people into following him because he was not guilty. Because only guilty people use guilt to control others. Code blue. Turn to the person next to you. Say, code blue. Guilt says, I owe you. Think about it. You ever said a phrase like that? I owe you an apology. Or let me make it up to you. Why do we say things like that? We say things like that because a debt-debtor relationship has been created. We owe somebody something. For example, you can't have a relationship with someone who won't tell you the truth because they've robbed you of something important. Amen. If someone leaves their spouse or leaves their family, they've robbed them of their future. They've robbed them of their self-esteem. And, and guilt is simply that, that inner sense that we all have that says, I took something from somebody. I owe you. But we don't really experience it quite that accurately. How we actually experience it is, is, is that guilt is this huge weight that we carry around with us every single day. And it weighs us down. And it slows us down. And it is always in the back of our mind. I'm guilty. I shouldn't have done that. I shouldn't have said that. I shouldn't have did what I did. The problem is, is that as we carry that guilt around, more guilt gets added to it as we continue to cause wrong and continue to cause offense. And we take that guilt and we carry it into every single relationship that we form with everybody. You with me so far?
The problem is, is that so many people carry this weight around for so long, they no longer recognize it as separate. And it becomes part of them. This is just how I am. I always feel like this. I always have this weight. And it becomes so ingrained, it's unrecognizable as something different from them. They just feel like, well, this is my personality. This is who I am. I have to carry this guilt around. Here is the thing. Underneath guilt is actually anger against ourselves. When you dig underneath that weight of guilt that you're carrying, you're actually carrying anger against yourself. Why? Because I let me down. You let you down. You know that you shouldn't act like that, but you did. And you carry around that guilt and you think, oh, I wish I hadn't been like that. I'm angry that I let that happen. Amen? The problem is, is that when you've let yourself down, and the only, it becomes that the only way you can excuse yourself for not meeting your expectations is to not let anybody else meet your expectations either. Or in other words, because you've gotten so used to having it around and because you are so used to failing yourself, you can't let anybody else live up to your expectations either. That's why it is impossible to please a guilty person. Because it doesn't matter what you do. It's never good enough. They'll always do see something that you'll do 20 good things, but they'll see that one thing you didn't do. And they'll point it out to you every time. Because they've got that weight. They feel like they've failed themselves. And therefore, to excuse their failure to themselves, they hold you responsible for it. This is really intense, isn't it? Since I disappointed me, I have to figure out a way for you to disappoint me as well. Because this is just who I am. I disappointed me, so you have to disappoint me as well. No matter what you do, you're going to disappoint me. Because you cannot please a guilty person. Amen? And so often, I I hear this. I've heard people say this to me. Oh, but I can't change the past. Here's the thing. Actually, yes, you can. You can change it. Because guilt grows in the darkness, but it disappears when you shine a light on it. Guilt grows in the darkness. When you try and hide it and you, and you, you hide your mistakes and you don't, you don't bring it out into the open, it grows. But as soon as you bring it out into the light, it disappears. But there are only two options to do this. One You either have to pay the person back, which in relationships can be very, very hard to do. Think about it. Or you have to ask them to cancel the debt. Open confession breaks the power of guilt. It's like a spotlight. You ever seen a spotlight before? I remember once when I was a small boy, I don't know if I've told you this story before, but I went out on Port Phillip Bay with my grandparents. We went out in a boat, 
And um, as we were traveling, we were meant to be back by five o'clock, but we spotted a little channel around an island that we wanted to explore. So we went down there with the boat and we got stuck on a sandbar. And the tide was going out. And it wasn't going to be coming in till the morning. So, of course, the tide went out. It was just me, my grandparents, and my, my Uncle David, I think. And, and the, 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 the sun went down. Nighttime came. The tide wasn't coming back until early morning. We were stuck out in the middle of Port Phillip Bay somewhere. And, of course, you know, my mom, she's like, oh, no, my little boy, he's been eaten by sharks, tigers, lions, all sorts of horrible, nasty things have happened. So they had the police involved. There was helicopters out there. But here's the thing. Port Phillip Bay at night is very, very dark. So what happens is as the helicopter is flying, it has a spotlight that shines down into the bay and it's searching through all the little channels and everything, trying to locate something. And eventually that spotlight came over, hit the boat, and went on and went, oh, stop, come back, it saw something. And that spotlight shined down. And in the middle of all of that darkness... That boat was illuminated like the day because there was a spotlight that was shining down. Open confession does that for your soul. Because we, we hide our guilt in the dark and we don't want to share it. We don't want to tell anybody about it. We don't want the embarrassment of saying, I made a mistake. I was wrong. But when we do it, an open spotlight shines down onto our guilt in the middle of the darkness and it disappears. It cannot abide in the light. And that's what open confession does is it shines that spotlight down into our hearts. See, here's the thing. The Bible has far more to say about confessing to other people than it does to say about confessing to God. Look at this. Let's go in our Bibles. Numbers chapter 5. I'm going to read through a few scriptures here this morning. See, here's the thing. God already knows. So you're confessing to God something that He already knows. Amen. But you only get rid of guilt when you go to the person you offended. Numbers chapter 5. Verse 6, it says, Speak unto the children of Israel. When a man or a woman shall commit any sin that men commit to do trespass against the Lord, and that person be guilty, they, then shall they confess their sin which they have done, and he shall recompense his trespass with the principle thereof, and add it unto the fifth part thereof, and give it unto him against whom he has trespassed. Let me read it, Let me read it in the NIV. Say this to the Israelites. When a man or a woman wrongs another in any way and so is unfaithful to the Lord, right? That person is guilty and must confess the sin he has committed. He must make full restitution for his wrong, add one-fifth to it, and give it to the person, not the Lord, give it to the person that he has wronged. See, this is where we make mistakes. We think that if we offend someone, we hurt someone, we do something stupid, we say something wrong, we think, oh, if I just confess it to God, He'll forgive me. And yes, God will forgive you. But it does not get rid of the guilt that you are carrying around. You need to go to that person and say, will you forgive me? 
Look at this. Let's go in the New Testament now. Luke chapter 19. Luke chapter 19. Verse 8, and Zacchaeus stood. Now, we know the story of Zacchaeus, right? The guy was a crook. He was a tax collector who robbed people to line his own pockets. Zacchaeus stood and said unto the Lord, Behold, Lord, the half of my goods I give to the poor. Not to God. Not to the church. To the poor. And if I have taken anything from any man by false accusation, I restore him fourfold. Do you know how hard it would have been for Zacchaeus to go up and go, Hey, you know how you paid your tax return back in 2017? Well, you know what? I did some real stupid stuff and I stole from you. Wow. That's really going to go over well, isn't it? But Zacchaeus knew that if he wanted to get rid of the guilt, he had to confess his sin to those people. Amen? Let's read on. Jesus said unto him, This day is salvation come to this house, for as much as he also is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man is come to seek and to save that which was lost. Matthew chapter 5. Look at this one. Matthew chapter 5, verse 23, this is Jesus speaking. He says, Therefore, if thou bring thy gift to the altar, and there rememberest that thy brother has aught against thee, leave there thy gift before the altar, and go thy way. First be reconciled to thy brother, and then come and offer thy gift. Here is the thing, church. Our Relationship with God hinges on our relationship with others. Say that again. Our relationship with God hinges on our relationship with others. You cannot, everyone say, you cannot. Say, I cannot. You cannot resolve your differences with God. If you are unwilling to resolve your differences with others. You cannot be in fellowship with God and out of fellowship with others over something that you've done. You see, James chapter 5 and verse 16, that is one of our favorite scriptures You know, whenever we see a prayer meeting happening, we get up there, we go, well, the effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. We love that part, right? We don't read what comes before. Listen to this. Confess your faults one to another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. What that tells me, you are not righteous. If you're not willing to forgive and seek forgiveness. It's as simple as that. This is why so many times our prayers are hindered. Because God's like, hang on. Whoa, 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 whoa. You need to get that sorted out in your life first. Before you even bother coming to me. We like to be effectual. We like to have the fervent righteous prayer. 
Well, we've got to learn how to go and confess our guilt first. See, here's the thing. The goal of confession is not simply just to clear your conscience. The goal of confession is to have a clean heart and a changed life. You live from your heart. So you have to shine God's spotlight on the hidden parts of your heart to cure the disease of guilt. Confessing secretly to God is no substitute for confessing openly to someone you have wronged. Sins that you only confess to God, you tend to repeat because the confession has not changed you. Students, for example, if you cheat on a test and the teacher doesn't notice it, and you go to God, oh God, please forgive me, Lord, I cheated on the test. You think that's really going to stop you from cheating on another test with your teacher? Probably not. But you go to that teacher, you hand in your A-plus paper, and you say, teacher, look, I've got to confess. I actually cheated on this exam. What's going to happen to you? There's going to be some consequences, isn't there? You're going to have to reset the exam. You're going to probably get a detention. You might even get a suspension. Who knows? But I can promise you next time you sit down for a test with that teacher and the teacher gets you to sit right up the front because you cheated last time and he's looking in in the eyes like this. Are you really going to cheat on that test again? I don't think so. Because you've gone through the pain of going and confessing that to the teacher. Amen. But here's the problem. I didn't cheat on a test. I slept with someone else outside of marriage. I committed adultery. I fornicated. Wow. How do you confess that? Did it just get awkward in here? Don't you know, Pastor, how much it will hurt them if I confess? Here is the thing. I've learned something from bitter experience. Confession does not hurt people. Concealment hurts people. The reality is, is that people who know you already know that something is not right. And in the meantime, your heart is rotting away under a weight of guilt. The fear of consequences is why we often see last minute deathbed confessions, you know. People confess to murders right before they die. People confess to to doing bad things right before they die. Why? Because they don't want to deal with the consequences. But oh, what a torment to have lived your entire life under the weight of that guilt every single day. When you confess, yes, your outside world may become momentarily far more complicated. But your inside world will become so much more freer. When you confess, here's the thing, you will be able to accept others with all of their failures because their failures won't remind you of your failures. But when you're carrying around that guilt, every time you see someone mess up, it reminds you that you messed up and you have not resolved it yet. When you confess, you are finally able to forgive yourself. 
when you've removed that burden of guilt, then you can forgive yourself for letting yourself down. You will be free. The penalty for our sin has been dealt with once and for all. But the consequences of our sin are a different matter altogether. The same Bible that assures us of God's forgiveness also teaches us the principle of restitution. Forgiveness from God does not erase our need to take responsibility for what we've done. In fact, our gratitude for what God has done should motivate us and compel us to confess and to clear the slate of our lives. Because open confession breaks the power of guilt in your life. Now, I know what you're thinking. What if I go to somebody and they don't forgive me? What if I go to someone and say, look, I wronged you. I did this. Please forgive me. And they go, no, I'm not forgiving you. How dare you do that to me? Here's the thing. Others may very well be held hostage to bitterness and anger over what you have done to them. And you're kidding yourself if you think everybody who you ever wronged will simply forgive you and get on with their life. It's just not going to happen. We hurt people really bad sometimes. Yeah, we know that's what they should do. That's what they ought to do. That's what the Bible teaches us. But, but hey, you didn't do what you were supposed to do in the first time either. Ain't nobody here perfect, amen? Here's the thing. We are not responsible for others' actions. And we are not responsible for how they respond when we confess. They should forgive us. But if they don't, it's not between us and them anymore. That's a matter for them and God to talk about. But you have broken the power of guilt in your life. Praise the Lord. Why don't we all stand this morning? I feel the presence of the Lord here at the moment. If you really want to understand the power of confession, turn it around this morning. Put yourself on the receiving end. What apology do you desire the most, but least expect to receive? Who is it that seems to be completely insensitive to the trouble or the hurt that they've caused you? Imagine this morning. Imagine how you would feel if that person came to you, walked in, sat down, and took full responsibility for everything they had done wrong. Imagine what would happen in your heart if that person with absolute sincere humility, this person who had offended you and upset you, offered to do anything within his or her power to make restitution for what had been taken from you. How would that make you feel? You'd feel pretty good, wouldn't you? Your heart would be, oh, wow, I love that person so much. They've taken so, and you would want to forgive them. It would be natural to forgive them. You would never be the same. But here's what you need to remember when you go to somebody over something that you have done, imagine them feeling the same way you're thinking about it right now. Your words could bring healing to a heart that's hurt, your words could restore a relationship. 
Your words could bring you back into fellowship with that person. Your words could set you free to be able to experience God's presence like you used to. But we carry around guilt in our heart. So I want to know today, how are things in your heart? How are things in your heart? Have you been carrying around guilt for a week? For a month? For a year? For five years? For a decade? How long will you allow that weight to sit on your heart and influence every single relationship that you have with everybody. Or are you going to get determined to go, I'm going to make this right. But pastor, what if they don't even know? You know, all I did was I gossiped about them behind their back. They don't even know. You're still carrying guilt because you know that is not right. But what happens if I go and talk to them? You know, there'll be repercussions. You know, this is going to happen and they won't talk to me anymore. And, and, and then they'll be angry with me and, and there won't be trust anymore. You're right. There may not be. But that doesn't matter. What matters is you get rid of the guilt that weighs down your heart. Trust that this person you're going to go speak to is going to forgive you. Just ask them, please forgive me. I want to cancel this debt that I feel like I owe you because I was wrong. I feel the presence of the Lord here right now. I wonder if we could just do something a little different. We're just going to spend a couple minutes in prayer. And if it's appropriate, I just want you to pray for the person next to you. Just lay your hands on them. Let's just begin to talk to the Lord together right now. Hallelujah. Precious Jesus.